all the glory, all the honor, all the praise. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Good morning, Lake Church. Good morning. How are we doing this morning? Good. All right. Well, hopefully you can see my marker board, and of course, uh, we'll have it on the screen as well. So we're going to delve into it pretty quick uh, so that we have plenty of time to cover all these wonderful things that uh, we're going to talk about in time marriage. How many have been enjoying this? And Anybody? Anybody? All right. Well, good, good. <laughs> Let's turn in our Bibles to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. So we're talking about in time marriage. And uh, as we're looking at in time marriage, we told you that the Apostle Paul said this, that they that marry shall have what? Trouble in the flesh. How many have found that to be true? Trouble in the flesh, okay? Now, we've kind of broke it down to four areas, four areas of trouble in the flesh that most counselors, most people that have aided people in their married relationship um, experience. So the first one is going to be money, okay? And uh, money is a, a major issue. When we were first married, it is lack of money. But as a, a family progresses and they get more um, stable, then you can get into other aspects of the love of money, which would be greed, which was seeing it as your source or seeing it as your security. Uh, it could cause workaholism. It could cause our priorities to be out of whack, that we give ourselves to jobs and give ourselves to um, making a living over our family or over our children, okay, over our spouse. And we end up losing what's really important, trying to gain material you know, uh, possessions and acclaim in the world, okay? So money will be a major issue in the life of a family. Uh, the next one is going to be sexy sex. Sexy sex. Sex is oh, it's going to be an issue. It's going to be an issue with one spouse thinking there's not too much and another that says too much. So you're going to have either... We never have sex, and like a man does, a man has a calendar in his head. Did you know that? A secret calendar in his head. He can tell you the days, the, the months, the days, the hours, the minutes, and the seconds of the last time you guys have been together intimately. They can tell you that. They may not be able to remember what you told them to get at the grocery store, but they can remember the last time you had sexual relations. And you can use that as a means of argument and contesting for the mastery of sex in the home, okay? So you've either got, there's not enough, we're not having enough sex to get this man off of me. So you've got two extremes here, and there are many shades in between, all right? So sex is going to be an issue. But, but sex is also an issue because we live in a highly sexualized culture. That means that majority of our attitudes towards sex and about sex are not even biblical. They're not even based on our relationship with the Lord. They're taught through pornography. <clears throat> pornography is the number one teacher of sex to our culture throughout the world. And pornography is show business. Okay, pornography is show business. So it doesn't even mirror what true, holistic, spiritual Jesus is my Lord sexual appetite of a man and wife. It doesn't even do it. So you end up falling for uh, fantasy, things that aren't real, attitudes that aren't real, and acting that is staged either through drug use are through coaxing, hello, and performance-enhancing drugs. So you take that and you move that into your bedroom, you're all of a sudden got a problem because you're not getting the same response you saw 
you know, uh, Sally Salacious had in the porn that you watched. I, you know, <clears throat> I just came up with that. It's pretty good. <laughs> Not that I have. No, no, no just kidding. <laughs> but, but understand this, that you see certain things in a movie, and, and all the sex is is spontaneous and it's hot and sweaty and just it just you know and that's just not the way married sex is married sex can be very quiet it could be don't the kids will hear that'll be the only talk during it come on now are we okay is it okay to talk about this stuff the problem is the church don't talk about this stuff the world does and our, all our young people and older people all listen to what the world has to say. But then you start talking about it in church. They say, oh, I can't talk about that in church. No, this is where God created sex. Okay, he created sex, okay? So just because you see something enacted, and this is the way that sex looks like in the realm of porn, <coughs> does not translate into home sex life. I'm sorry to let you in on that, but it's the truth. Okay, you don't have cameras, you don't have lights, you're not acting, this isn't staged. This is real life, two people coming together. That's the reason why that type of sex is cheap and it has absolute meaning to it because it's not within the context of a holistic covenant relationship in the security that's found. See, sex should be experienced in a realm of security where you can be vulnerable and open and honest and intimate. But sex in the world does not afford that. It's all about pretense. It's all about, and you'll get that in and you'll fight over it. Listen, it will be a point of contention. So beliefs are important and they need to be established right away and we're gonna talk about that. So number four, you're gonna fight over kids. One of the major contentions is sometimes even having them, whether you want them or not. That needs to be discussed before you get married. Because if one wants children and one does not want children, or one wants to prolong uh, children over a period of time that the other spouse is not comfortable with, or the other supposed spouse is uncomfortable with, you need to cull it off. No matter what the blood flow tells you, Nip it, because it's going to be a problem. Nip it. Because the problem is, is physiologically, we get engaged in the relationship that it causes us to not think mentally. And we think that things can be overcome through love, because after all, love is all we need. No, that's not the truth. Especially the type of love that most relationships operate in. It's not the type of love that makes marriage work, which is agape love. It's usually some other form of love, even lust that we talked about, where it's just simply a sexual arrangement. And then, of course, that runs its course. <laughs> Come on now. And it does run its course because it's not a foundation. It's not something that you can found on is sexual uh, tension or sexual intimacy or sexual attraction. You, it's, it's a way to get, you know, involved in the relationship and, and lead you to deeper. It's meant to lead you into deeper places. But yet it doesn't. Most times, most marriages live and die based upon the physical interaction that they have in their relationship. And when that begins to be impeded through time and age and things of that nature, then things start having problems, Okay. But then you also have discipline, which is a major, major contentious issue uh, in uh, families, is who's going to discipline, how, what's the discipline going to be like, what is the execution of that discipline, how we're going to do that, who is going to be the heavy-handed one, because I can tell you that you're going to, if you're married and you've got a normal relationship, you're going to have one that's going to be heavy discipline, and you're going to be one that's not. 
okay? And so there's going to be this contention. Now, if you've got a blended family, which is the case for 50 to 60% of all relationships have blended families here today, then you're dealing with a whole level of complexity that previous generations didn't have in the sense that you have to deal with other mothers and fathers. You have to deal with other people in the disciplining of the kids. And it causes the kids to really be hurt when an authority figure does not have the ability to correct. I'm not saying beat. I'm not saying, you know, harm or hurt. I'm just talking about correction, bringing correction. There are some children that come from blended families that the, that the other spouse has no interaction in regards to correcting or assisting that young person because of the arrangement that the previous parents had. Okay? And it makes for very dangerous territory. Okay? So let's look at Romans chapter 8 because we have a choice as believers. We can... We don't have to be uh, pulled in by the gravitational pull of the sin nature. We've been born of God. The love of God has been shed abroad in our heart by what? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives on the inside. Therefore, I have everything I need to be a great spouse. Not a perfect one, but a great spouse. To be a great um, parent. I have the greater one on the inside of me. But it's going to be agape love, guys. It's not going to be eros. It's not going to be storge. It's not going to be filio. You see, it's going to be agape love, which is the love that is based upon will. I choose to love. It means my whole will is stirred to love you. I have made a decision to love you. And that's the only way relationships can thrive is when someone has made the decision, I love you. And see, if I say that to my wife and I've made the decision, I love you no matter what. I love you no matter how you act, no matter how you dress, no matter how, you know, what size you are in any given season of your life or whether we're going through sickness or we're going through health or we're going through all, you know, all those vows that we took. When a woman feels secure, when a wife feels secure in that, then it brings about the appropriate response of respect. Because, see, the, the, the husband-wife relationship runs on the fuel of love and respect. But many times we get that backwards, where the wife is trying to love her husband to change him, and the husband is trying to respect his wife to please her. But, the, but, but it should be the exact opposite. It should be the fact that husbands should love their wives to where it's just they're, they're drowning in that love. Well, you don't know how mad she makes me. Love her anyway. You don't know what she just said to me. Love her. You don't know what we've went through. Love her. Love her. Love her. Love her. Begin to immerse her in that love. It will cause her to feel secure. Majority of marriage problems are based on insecurity. We don't know where we stand in the relationship. Do you understand what I'm saying? Maybe something has caused us to feel a little insecure, a little unstable in the relationship. Drug use can do this. Alcoholism can do this. Um, you know, workaholism. All of these things can contribute to a wife feeling uneasy about her marriage. And husbands can get very insecure as well because, you know, a woman can get busy with other things, especially children, and then all of a sudden, the man feels insecure in their relationship. This is the devil's playground. He loves to play in the realm of insecurity and begin to cast thoughts to you that she doesn't love you anymore, she loves them more than you, you know. And, and I'm here to tell you, friends, many people have went through divorce because of those thoughts. They can't shake them. Amen? Because someone's priorities are seemingly out of line, 
You need to understand and begin to gauge your relationship based on seasons. You need to understand that there are seasons in which emphasis must change. You bring a baby into the house, the emphasis changes. The priorities begin to change. It shouldn't be permanent. It's for a season. Do you understand that? So the wife will need to t put more attention on the children. However, they should transition out of that and get back to the engine running the way it's supposed to run. But many times, women or wives, mothers, will tend to say this, and I've seen this on Facebook, and I mean no offense by it. I don't mean to get you mad at me, but... You saying that your kids are your world, it's not wise because your world's going to walk out. Your world may not come to Christmas dinner this year. Your world may move overseas and you not see them. No, your world is Jesus. Hello. Your world is Jesus. See, we put our devotion and our worship. I, I tell you, one of the major problems in relationships today is child worship. Where we, we and it really causes unfulfilling marriages because the, the spouse isn't truly respected, isn't truly loved, because all their energy is focused on being a chauffeur. Eighteen years, guys. If perchance, maybe 22. They're going to be going. They're going to be going. And they're going to build lives that are separate from you. And you're not going to have any input whatsoever in what they do. You have to learn to transition from being the chief authority figure to being a cheerleader because that's what you become. And you've got to just say, you know, I'm here for support, here to help if you need me, and stop forcing yourself and trying to raise them in their own families. I'm telling you, there's nothing worse than a meddling mother-in-law and a dominant father-in-law that can't keep their hands off of their kids' relationships. It's sickening, and it will cause problems. You guys are quiet. Are you all right? Is this too much for you? Okay, but notice we've got a choice. Look at verse number 5 of Romans chapter 8. It says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. Now, the word flesh there is not body. It is not soma, S-O-M-A. It is sarx, S-A-R-X. And when you see the term sarx, which is very, very um, explicit throughout the book of Romans because it's talking about the nature of the fallen flesh. Okay, It's talking about the nature of the fallen flesh. Listen, your body ain't bad. If you didn't have your body, you wouldn't be here this morning. But the nature of it can kill you. It can destroy you. Okay, So he's talking about the nature of the flesh. To mind the nature of the flesh, you see. Um, <clears throat> but those, it says... For those who live according to the nature of the flesh set their minds on the things of the nature of the flesh. So you're going to be a slave to your appetites. A lot of times, appetites in these four areas get out of line. My appetite towards money, my appetite towards sex, my appetite towards my beliefs... And what I think in my appetite towards my children and their success. It can get over into the ditch. And I'm being dictated to by the flesh and not by the spirit. There are things that I push my children into that I just want. Let's just be honest. There's just things I just want. 
You know, maybe you wanted to be a baseball player, so you throw them in the little league. Maybe you want, I've seen this happen. And then the kid doesn't like baseball at all, doesn't care about it. But he's doing it because you love it. And that's the connection point that he has with you. I'm preaching way better than you're saying amen. I mean, this, this is stuff that, that happens. The sarks, the nature of the flesh. The nature of the flesh wants to control. It wants control of all four of these areas. I want to control money. I want to control sex. I want to control the beliefs of the house. And I want to control my children. And I'm telling you, you are making a nice, miserable stew that you will have to eat and it will not be good and it and i'm telling you it gets worse as you get older because when you're young and the kids are young you can get a hold of this stuff but when you get older you have a tendency those things break down every every link you've tried to build every every fence you've tried to build to protect you and your family breaks down and it breaks down from within and that's the sad part people that don't steep their life in the spirit end up seeking to control these four areas and they control it through the nature of the flesh are you with me okay now notice it says this for to set the mind of the flesh is death so how am I going to bring death I can bring death to my finances I can bring death to my sex life I can bring death to the belief system in my home I can bring death to my children how by focusing on the flesh nature what I want what I desire the appetites of the flesh but notice it says it says this let me find it for to set the mind on the flesh is death but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. So I've got a choice. Either I can operate in death in these areas or I can operate in life and peace. Amen? How many would like a little life in their married relationship? How many would like life in their money, in their finances? Life in their sex? Life in their beliefs? Life in their children? And there's not anybody that would not want that. Nor peace in these areas. I'm telling you, there are people that are wrestling. They've got peace in two of them and chaos in two of them. Or they've got peace in four, three of them and chaos in one of them. But it, it's always, it just seems like a balancing act. You know, many times, you know, I'll have peace in my family but have chaos in my business. I'll have peace in my business and have chaos. You better just get used to it. You better just get used to it. You live in a fallen world. There is a devil, and there are demons that want to make sure that these things do not operate. I don't want to frustrate that even more by being carnally ruled because the devil uses the seed that I sow. You understand that? So one thing that I, I tell young couples, uh, you know, when I counsel them before marriage is I said, you've got to see your spouse as a garden, you got to see your spouse as a garden, and you got to see your words and your actions as seed. So what you speak goes into their garden. The actions that you do go into the garden. And so many times the responses that we are so upset about, I can't believe she said that to me. I can't believe he did that are all the result of things that we have planted with our words and our actions. If a spouse is speaking out of a realm of insecurity, what has been sown to create that insecurity? We need to stop griping about the plant and start dealing with the seeds. Okay? What am I saying? Is, is what I'm saying to my spouse nurturing and caring for her? Or is it taking away from her? Because death and life are in what? 
the power of the tongue. So operating in the power of the tongue in regards to these four areas, when it's connected to my flesh, actually sows the seed that brings about the, the negativity, the negative forces that dominate and bring stress to these relationships. Okay? So let's look at uh, Galatians 5. Galatians 5, because we need to know how to operate in the Spirit. Amen? How many want to know how to operate in the Spirit? Well, how you operate in the Spirit is you actually yield to the cultivation of the Spirit of God in your spirit and allow it to work itself outward. Okay? Because as we shared with you, Romans chapter 5 says that the love of God has been shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost. So the Holy Ghost residency in our life brings His presence and His personality within us. So we don't have to yield to the sarks, to the carnal nature anymore. I can yield to the Spirit of God. I have a choice. Jesus has given me a choice. I can walk in unforgiveness or I can walk in forgiveness. I can walk in judgment or I can walk in mercy. I can choose to walk in love or to walk in hate. I've been given that choice as a believer. Amen? And so in any situation, I've got to see myself with two pails. I've got a pail of water. I've got a pail of gas. And in any situation in my home, when things flame up, and they do flame up, I've got a choice. Either I'm going to use my bucket of water and extinguish it, or I can say, flame on, and just throw on there, and just burn, baby, burn. I've got a choice. Because it talks about the fruit or the works of the sarks, the works of the fallen sin nature that's in our flesh and it talks about uh, sexual immorality impurity verse 19 sensuality that means being governed by your senses idolatry which means worship you know you worship your kids you worship your spouse you shouldn't worship any of those you should worship the Lord amen he's your true north when he's your true north everything falls into its proper position okay and then he goes on and he says, sorcery, which is witchcraft and, and drug use, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Now he goes on and he says in verse 20, um, 23, 22, he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. So the first thing that comes in is love. You can't have the other eight without this one. Because joy comes from love. Peace comes from love. Patience comes from love. Kindness comes from love. Goodness comes from love. Faithfulness comes from love. Gentleness comes from love. And self-control. Okay? So now as we look at this and as we see that we're going to have problems in these areas, that means that the, the area that we need to focus on when it comes to these is the realm of communication. Now without fail, anyone that says we need to come in and talk to you or we need marriage counseling, they're going to say that this is going to be the primary problem. Now, they may not come out and say, we cannot communicate, but after listening to them for about five minutes, you're going to find that there are communication issues, and you're going to be a communication issues about these four things. They don't have the ability to converse with one another and exchange ideas in a positive, constructive way because it's been littered and um, polluted with offense, bitterness, anger, and fear. 
Okay? All right? So we've got to look at the levels of communication. So I'm going to make a little steps here. Now, those of you who are thinking of getting married, if you're single, you need to understand these steps of communication because this is the key to getting life and peace in these four areas, which is what we want. So the communication, notice it goes up. It starts from the bottom, and it goes to high levels, okay? So these two that we're going to talk about are what we call uh, low trust areas. These three are high trust areas. So communication must go to a place of low trust to high trust. Your marriage will never go past your ability to trust one another. The ceiling of your relationship is based upon trust. Hello. Do you feel free and feel yourself around people you can't trust? Do you feel like you can express yourself and be who you truly are if you can't trust them? No, you can't. That means that you stay in a low trust realm, okay? Which is, number one, which is the exchanging of pleasantries. Pleasantries. It's a beautiful day. Boy, did you see that clouds in the sky? You've got some nice shoes on. I really like your dress. Do you think the Steelers will win? It's a, it, we laugh, but there are marriages that still in that. They're still in the low trust. And so the next one is the exchanging of facts, facts and events. Did you see the wreck on 48? Did you see the deer? Boy, that's amazing what they're doing in D.C. Okay? Very low trust. Kind of like going into cute, you know, quick trip and, uh, you know, the guy behind the register saying, Hi. Well, he doesn't want me to stand by his register and chit-chat with him. He's just saying hi, recognizing my presence, and saying, I've got my eye on you. Don't try to steal anything. I see you going towards the NOS. Okay? Well, a lot of relationships are still in that level. The only thing they talk about is pleasantries and exchanging of facts and events. How was your day, honey? And so we get this wonderful phrase from these two areas called fine. I'm fine. Are you fine? I'm fine. Are you fine? I'm fine. How are you today? Fine. Are you really? Are you really? You're on blood pressure medicine. You're taking antacids like candy. You're a bundle of nerves. And you've had to call in from work the last three days. But you're fine. I'm fine. You're fine. Everybody's fine. That comes from a low trust level of communication. And if you stay in those... This isn't going to get any better because these require hard conversations, fierce conversations. Have you ever tried to budget with your wife? Have you tried to build a house with your wife? 
Have you come on now? Let's just shake your head, look straight ahead. No one will know that it's you. But you got a problem. Sex is hard. It's hard to talk about. Even with people that have a good relationship, it's difficult to talk about. There's a stigma to talking about this. And for men, these two things are extremely hard to talk about because to bring any sense of vulnerability means that we are not proficient and we are not strong in those areas. And that is something that hubris will not allow us to admit. So we tend to stay down here. That was great, honey. But we're not talking about the deeper things. We're not talking about, here, here's the next one. And this is what ruins your holiday meals. All right? This is what ruins your holiday meals. Boy, I'm telling you, these markers. I'm going to have to get some new markers. It's what the Cajun call... Opinions. <laughs> Everybody's okay with pleasantries. Everybody's okay with the exchange in facts. But when we start getting in opinions, hmm, you think that, do you? You know, there's always tension in the family gatherings because people have different opinions. So you've got people that, let's take the election, and I'm just using it as a, let's take it. So you've got people that voted for Biden, and then you're cooking the turkey in a MAGA hat. There's going to be tension. <laughs> There's going to be tension. They may not say anything, but you can cut it with a knife. Hello, how many have been in those situations? You just know something is about, if someone lights a match, this is going up. This is going up, but yet, the end of the day, nothing happens. But yet, the tension's there. Well, a lot of homes live in that tension because of opinions, different opinions. And opinions kind of factor in to these areas. They have opinions of money. How many have had the stress of someone that is stingy and another spouse that wants to be liberal and wants to help the children. Say the children say, Mom and Dad, we've, we don't have our mortgage. We need help. Well, then guess what? The opinions are going to drive what happens here. Well, I'm of the opinion that my dad let me, you know, let me suffer and they just need to suffer. They just need to sleep in their bed that they have made. And then one spouse is going to say, we can't do that to our babies. Would we, would we do unto others as you would want done unto you? Listen, both sides have merit. Both sides are steeped in truth. But both sides are also governed by personal experience. Are you with me? So that means that my opinion can't necessarily be the prime opinion. That someone may come in with a different opinion that determines how I use my money. Okay? All right? You get into opinions, man. It changes everything. And I'm telling you, most dating relationships don't get here. They don't get here. Physiologically, they're attracted. They're connected. But they don't know what's in that soul. And they're too afraid to dig in it because they're afraid they're going to lose what they think they have. So let's just mask it. Let's not get there, because when we get there, I get very disappointed. Because I'm under the illusion that people that love me think just like me. 
And if you love me, you got to think my way, and you got to like what I like. But that's not marriage. Are we okay? Yes. All right. Now we go up to another level, and they get harder. Like I said, high trust issues. Opinions are high trust. I've got to trust that you got your head on straight, <laughs> that God can lead you. Come on. All right? So here we go. Feelings. <laughs> Opinions and feelings aren't the same. They're not the same. Because you can have an opinion based on fact, and your feelings can take it out the door. See, you can know the facts, and it can give you the opinion, but once emotion gets involved, and so most people don't get into their feelings, you know. It's just, let's take that money issue for instant. You know, let's take the money issue for an instant. The fact is, you know what? We're, we may hurt them if we bail them out every time. That's, 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 that's a truth. But we also don't want them to be homeless. That's also the truth, okay? So I have opinion on one side. She has opinion on the other side. But then the kids come over and they got holes in their pants and stuff like that and feelings. Feelings start getting in there, and it changes. My opinions, as high and as elevated as I think they are, can be manipulated by my feelings. And so it's very important that we understand that if I'm going to marry anybody, I'm going to get to these higher levels while I'm dating Because if I don't, then I might be buying into something that's not there. Do you understand what I'm saying? I might be buying into something that's not there. It's, you know, most women will marry men based upon potential. They will size up the man. They will say, I think he'll be a good provider. I think he'll do well. You know, isn't he great? Isn't he wonderful? And then they get married and they realize that uh, Hello. There is an old proverb and it's true. This is an old proverb. It says that men marry women hoping that they'll never change. And they do. Women marry men hoping that they will change, and they don't. <laughs> what you get with a man is what you're going to get when he's 50. That's right. you, you get, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to blow your ideology out of the water, but it's just the truth. Listen, I'm still a KISS fan. I'm still, come on. I like what I like. I like what I like at 13. And every man says amen. amen. Don't look at your wife, though, while you say it. But it's the truth. You like what you like. Women transform. And one of the major transformations is becoming a mother. It's one of the absolute major tra transformations uh, is becoming a mother. A mother changes your, your wife. And that's the reason why, you know, children need to be discussed before you, before you have even entered into the idea of getting married. You, you need to have a discussion about children, and you need to have some kind of a plan as to how you're going to raise them and how many you're going to have. Hello. These are important. Is this, is this helping anybody? Okay, because the next thing is, uh, is you're, you're going to have to resolve these things, and most relationships don't even get here. 
dreams and desires. They don't even get to that part. In fact, majority of counseling sessions, you'll hear something like this. I didn't know she wanted to do that. I had no idea she wanted that. I had no idea he wanted to do this. You get so busy with life, you get so busy raising children, you get so busy in the minutia, in the routine, that dreams and desires get put on the back burner and it begins to create a bitterness, a lack of fulfillment. We don't feel like we're being heard. We don't feel like that our life has significance. We feel like we're just punching in and punching out, that we're providing just finances to fuel someone else's dream. And many people, they have this. So you've got to get up here before you get married. You need to get up to the top, top shelf. Because what happens is, is you, you begin to face these expectations that you can't fulfill for them. You can't do it. And so you become the bad guy. You become the bad guy. You, 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 you try to bring some pragmatism to the relationship. He wants to go in business and do this. And it may be something that is not lucrative, something that doesn't necessarily, but it's a dream. It's a desire. You come in with pragmatism. And guess what? You're Darth Vader. Hello. And they think that you're giving them the chokehold. You're choking my dream. And people divorce over this stuff. Are we okay? Guys, you guys are real quiet. All right. Okay. So now, what affects communication is temperament. Now, I'm not really into Enneagram studies, you know. I know a lot of corporations and schools will use Enneagrams, and I've read the material, I've researched the material, and I'm not a big Enneagram guy. But I do understand the four major personality types. And in order for you to be able to function as a, a, a team, you're going to have to understand what's underneath the skin. <laughs> you know, Michelangelo, he always took more care and more involvement in picking what media he was going to use to make his sculpture. You know, whether it was going to be of granite or whether it was going to be marble because he knew that he could fashion the media in any shape he wanted, but he could never change the media. He could, it would always be marble. It would always be the various stone that he chose. God has fearfully and wonderfully made you. And the four temperament types that we see collectively in the human race are all images of him. But because of the sarks, the sin nature, the flesh nature, those things are greatly marred. And they actually are used against us. So our need to be a certain way or our certain felt needs as a personality can actually come and be a, uh, our downfall. It can actually work against us, okay? So we're looking at four, uh, four different types. And I'm, I've, I've, I'm not going to use their clinical names but I'm going to use their top characteristics. The first one is a sanguine temperament, and it is the popular temperament. Popularity. They're generally popular, and they generally like popularity. So they're very people-oriented. They're very... Um, they are not... Uh, they don't like to be... By themselves, they like to be the center of attention. They're very chatty and talkative. Okay, um, they're very relational. So they find their meaning in life 
by their friends and relationships. So how they gauge whether they're successful is the level that their relationships are in, okay? However, when they kind of go up to the happy, you know, the happy plateau, they can also dip down in the black. And so they're very extreme. They operate within extremes. So they're either down low or they're up high. So it's basically a human roller coaster. Okay, have you ever known a human roller coaster in your life? Roller coasters are fun. They're very fun. But we shouldn't live on them. Yeah! But there are people in our lives that constantly take us in there. They are happiness at all costs, even in compromise. If it makes happy, a popular temperament, a sanguine temperament, will sacrifice principle to be popular. Okay? They will. They'll do it. And so they're always about, you know, my mom was a sanguine. She was a sanguine choleric. She was a very dominant person, very ex, not an extrovert. Uh, she was an extrovert, not an introvert. And so anytime my sister and I would get down in the dumps or we weren't acting in accordance with her universe, she would always do this. Happy up. That was her answer to everything. Happy up, like we could just go ahead and just, you know, get all happy right there. Like it could just happen, you know. But that was her answer for everything. Happy up. Why aren't you happy? Okay. But yet when she'd get down, whoa, 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 whoa. She'd go down. <laughs> she'd burn you down. She'd burn you down. But that's what happened. They're very extreme people. And then you got what is known as the choleric, which is, boy, you're not going to be able to see this, but I'll tell you what it is. The powerful temperament. The powerful temperament. This is the my way or the highway type of person. That means that in their eyes, my opinions are the opinion. My feelings trump all feelings. And my dreams and desires are going to be pursued even if it costs you everything you've got. And that's what a cleric does. Cleric is just, you know, they'll order for you. I remember a cleric, I used to play golf with him. His name was Joe. And uh, he was cleric. And so, you know, we go to McDonald's, you know, before we go golf. And I'm thinking about a sausage and egg biscuit. I was really tasting the biscuit in my mouth. And he says, we'll take two of these. He just ordered for me. Well, you know, be gracious. And I didn't throw a fit in the middle of McDonald's. So I just ate what he, what he got. It wasn't what I wanted. But they basically, they make choices for you. Hello. We don't do that, honey. This is what we do. No, you're not going to do that. No, I'm not going to do that. Make decisions for you. Oh, you're so quiet. You need to liven up. But see, these powerful personalities, they'll come in and they'll say, you know what, this is the way you should go. And you know what the, what the problem is? They're usually right. I, that's what I've learned. Now, me as a sanguine, I resist my choleric wife. I resist her. Get thee behind me. You know, she tries to bring in this choleric. This is what we need to do. This is how we need to do it. And my sanguine is like, up yours. <laughs> We're not doing any of that. Um, uh, can I be honest with you? You're just and, and when I bring in my stuff, she's saying, he don't know what he's talking about. 
he don't have any clue. I, I know what we need to do. We need to, and, and generally I found, don't tell my wife this, but she's right majority of the time. And she is. She'll tell me about a certain person, you know. Well, you need to watch that person. You know, you're getting too close in this situation here, and I, don't, I got a bad feeling about that. Oh, my sanguine self. I love them. I love them. How dare you bring up that? These people love me, and I love them, and then... And she never says, I told you so. She never does that. But I usually know that she was right. Now, she's not always right, but she's usually right. Okay? Because her temperament has issues with the same ladder that you and I have that cause her to be skewed and biased in these four areas. Okay? So you got the powerful. But then you got what is known, and this is the other aspect of See, you've got to realize that you are a comp composition of all four of these. But you have primary and secondaries that are more noticeable, okay? And drive your decision making, okay? So you have this one, and my wife is also this. So. Lucky me. Well, it's wonderful. I love it. Perfect. The melancholy. Now, when it comes to these certain areas, you know, perfection and order are it. It's got to be right. If it ain't right, it ain't right. And it ain't going to be done. So that means this. Situation has to be right when money is spent. The planets have to be in alignment for this. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Hello. Listen, guys. If you're married to a melancholic woman, which there are a lot of them out there, melancholic woman, they want order. So they're not going to really get their freak on if things are in chaos. So generally, what's going to happen is, is sex begins in the kitchen. That's where it begins for a melancholic woman. Now, I don't do this. I'm not a practicer of this. I, I freely admit before my wife, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I do the dishes and things of that nature. But I understand this. That if the dishes are, and there's laundry piled up, and there's things of that nature then it's going to cause great issues in these areas because she doesn't feel that things are in order. Okay? So, you know, usually when we had young kids, sex needed to be done with the kids at least 50 miles away. Okay? Things of that nature. So it's the perfectionist mentality. It's got to be perfect. And this causes procrastination, indecisiveness. You know, you begin, to, you begin to get very indecisive about money matters. Okay? You don't get indecisive about this, but indecisive about money matters, beliefs at times, and children. You can be indecisive because you want everything to be perfect. Okay? And then the next one is the peaceful, which is the phlegmatic, which accounts for largely 60-plus percent of the human race. 60% of the human race are peaceful phlegmatics. And... Uh, they are, uh, you know, we, we kind of, um, if I could uh, categorize them, they're, they're just the consistent, seemingly perfect. They, they don't get in an uproar about stuff. They're not 
they don't flame up like a sanguine does. See, when it comes to fights, see, I just, I'm, I'm kind of like a fireball. Just, whoosh, and then it's over. Let's have sex. Hello. But you get into a, a choleric, boy, or that steady current. They're kind of like that roller ball, you know, that, that, that steamroller or whatever. And they just, they're going as slow as they can, but they're just intent. I'm going to roll you over. I'm going to enjoy it. It's just, it's just steady. They can stay mad for years. They can. This can forget about it. You ask them, well, you remember that? And they say, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? You know? and, and a lot of times they'll, they'll gaslight. That never happened. That never happened. Well, that's what a popular does. My mom was good at that. Mom, you remember when you beat me half my life? I never did that. I never did that. That was your father. <laughs> no, it was you. You just flamed up and you cooled down. Where a choleric, if they get mad and you get on the wrong side of them, they'll stay mad at you. That's when you have counseling sessions where they say, Well, back in 75... Hello. See, you've got to understand that the fruit of the Spirit makes up for the deficiencies in these. Because a popular um, temperament, you see, is not given to self-discipline. But one of the fruits of the Spirit is self-discipline. So it actually makes up the difference. The, the powerful does not really operate in great joy. They're not always the joyful. They're only joyful and excited when you're doing what they want to do. Come on, guys. It's the truth. If you're doing what they're doing, you know, it, it, it's, it's joy unspeakable and full of glory. But if you're not doing, if they're doing something they don't want to do, you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. Don't know why I'm here. Don't know why I'm here. Hello. And you get into the perfect. Hello. If it ain't right, it ain't right. I ain't doing nothing. And then you got the peaceful. And this is what the peaceful will do. This is how they fight. That's how they fight. Right there. That's how they fight. Why don't you get more aggravated like about that stuff? Why can't you get more passionate? This is important to me. That's, now listen, you can see how this affects what? Communication, which affects the four areas. Okay? I've ran out of time but hopefully you've got the idea. Okay? The fruit of the Spirit will cover the weaknesses of these temperaments. Peace and joy can fulfill the choleric. Discipline, you see, can fulfill, because a sanguine doesn't have a problem with joy. and certainly doesn't have a problem with peace because they forget the argument the minute it's over. So they can experience a realm of peace where the choleric will hold on to some. Well, guess what? The fruit of the Spirit can come into where the choleric can forgive and release. Amen. The fruit of the Spirit can come into the, you know, to the melancholy or to, or to the perfectionist and help them be able to accept that things aren't just the way they need to be in their mind. I mean, there's been major divorces over, you know, table settings at the holidays. 
I mean, I'm serious. They get worked up over this stuff. And especially if they have people that they value and love coming to their home. Hello. It's Godzilla. It can be Godzilla at the house. And then when they come, hi, how are you? It's so good to have you here. We can't wait. A change. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Well, see, you've got to take evaluation. You've got to know these things. If you're going to be effective in your relationship, you've got to know, okay, my wife is, is, is a powerful perfect. Well, I'm a popular peaceful guy. Take that, Match.com. Because it's not true. What do I have to do? What did, he, what, what did we talk about last week? You got to be drunk. You got to be drunk. You got to be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in your heart, and giving thanks. So, what's the key? I thank God for my powerful, perfect wife. I may not always understand her, I may not always agree with her, but I thank God. She sees life differently than I do. And it helps me. I would not be where I'm at without this woman. I'd like to think she'd think the same of me. But that, you know, cholerics don't necessarily think that way. So, it's a joke. I'll pay for it later. No, I'm just kidding. But anyway, we cover each other's weaknesses. See, I'm a big picture person. And she'll come in and say, well, you didn't think about this, and you need to think about this, and think about this. Well, my initial thing is to get offended by that. But that's not the right response. To be carnally minded is death. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. I've got to yield to the Spirit and say, you know what? The Holy Spirit is speaking through her to me, to help me. Amen? I'll close with that. Amen? If you need prayer, you know, we'll have people up here to pray with you and to help you. Praise God. Thank you for bearing with me. Amen.